0: 70 of the GamerNode show for episode 70 we have video um, <laughs> I'm Eddie Anzato your host and editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com and I'm here once again with
1: Bianca Figueroa Santana I'm good how are you
0: pretty good I'm kind of excited so we figured today for episode 70 we would do a video podcast um Likely this will just be on YouTube, uh, our regular podcast feed will remain in audio, and we'll also cut it up into a few little clips for the individual games that we're going to be talking about today. So uh, we're going to be talking about a few board games, a couple old and one so new it's not even out yet. Um, I guess we'll just get started then. We, uh, we like Bézier games, right? Yeah, we love them. Suburbia, Castles, of the Mad King Ludwig. Yes. Games that we're really into. It's so my favorites. those are designed by Ted Allspack. And this other Bézier game is not. But it sort of follows along the same lines as Suburbia, right?
1: It's very Suburbia-esque.
0: Suburbia-esque. <laughs> this is Subdivision. I don't know if uh, it's in between us or what. But um, this one is designed by Lucas Hedgren. Hedgren? I don't know how to pronounce that. But Lucas Hedren is what I'm going to say. It's like a hedge with a wren in it. A wren is a small bird, in case <laughs> you didn't know. Um.
1: <laughs> it's spelled with a W?
0: No, it's not, but so whatever. you're just making things up. I mean, wren, the word wren is spelled with a W, but the sound wren is made by R-E-N, which is in okay. Lucas Hedrin's name. head Hedgren. Hedren. Anyway, uh, this is a game for one to four players. Lasts about... 45 minutes or so? Yeah. Something okay, like right. that. Yeah. And look at that. It has hexes on it. Are there hexes on it? Look, there's a hex. Classic suburbia style. Anyway, that's um, subdivision. What What's it about? Should we leave it right here? Is that like the cool thing to do? Uh, I think so. We're sure. talking about it.
1: Subdivision is, as Eddie has said multiple times, a lot like suburbia. <laughs> you have a board... And in fact, there are several different boards that you can use over time. So you can decide to challenge yourself or you can go with something easier. And you have small hexes of different types, just like in suburbia. You have residential, you've got industry, civic, commercial, and then you have some tiles that are different from suburbia. Upgrade tiles, which are parks, Schools and what am I missing? Lakes luxury? Lakes. Mm-hmm.
0: Our luxury was the luxury was So the there are five five basic zones, right? Yeah. Those were the, the residential, commercial, industrial, civic, civic and luxury. luxury. And then those other three play off of the, the base five. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then there are sidewalks.
1: Ooh, yes, there are sidewalks. Yeah.
0: So the game the game operates by in a weird way. So the idea is you're scoring points by covering up zones that have negative point values on them. So throughout the game, the the goal is to cover as many of these as you can to avoid having negative points at the end. And you you don't activate the tiles that you place right when you place them, like in other games. You activate tiles when they already exist on the board And you place something new next to them. So say I had my residential out, and the residential ability, the the residential function, is to build a school adjacent to it. In order to do that, on a later turn, I'll place any other tile. And since I place it next to the residential, the residential is activated. Now I can build the school.
1: So it's a domino effect, essentially.
0: Yeah, and it's also way more confusing to new players than i expected
1: it is confusing it is confusing because you're so used to putting things down and having them activate it seems counterintuitive that you're putting something down it's essentially useless for that turn and -hmm. then you're supposed to plan other turns around trying to activate something you already put down
0: yeah so it involves some strategizing yeah however Here's our favorite part of the game.
1: I like this part of the game.
0: Oh, I'm not a big <laughs> fan. So, I love dice. That I actually love dice too, but I'm not into this. Um, you roll really this you roll this die and this die tells you where you're allowed to place the tile. Oh, this is
1: good. Here.
0: You should hold the die, because I don't like the die. (laughs) Um, So, for example, we roll this, we show this pink diamond. Boom. You have to place on a pink diamond. Um, And that's annoying. Because you're trying to put things next to your old, your previously placed uh, hexes.
1: But there's nothing stopping you from doing that. You can pay $2 to place it wherever you want.
0: Right. All right, so there's there's this give and take, and that's good. You you know you uh, weigh the benefit of placing on in an off color, but you lose money. So,
1: that's that's, I mean, it's
0: I'm not saying it's that terrible. I mean, it's a good game overall. the The cool thing about it, well, one cool thing about it is that it's a draft, much like a game like Seven Wonders. Each round, all the players get a hand, so to speak, a stack of five of these hexes. And you look at them, you choose the one that you want, you play them simultaneously, and you pass to your left, and then to your right, and then to your left, and then to your right again for the four rounds of the game. And I like that because, you know, it's always cool to have a nice little circular drafting game.
1: Yeah. And I think you can't strategize as much, which perhaps is a good or a bad thing, but you're getting a new hand. You don't know who's taking what, whether, you know, you pick one and you're like, I got to take this one because it's the only one in the stack. And then you're crossing your fingers that the commercial tile will still be there, for example, when it gets back to you. Um, so you really do have to think on your feet in many ways.
0: Yeah. Think on your feet and on your roads that you're putting out.
1: We meant, we didn't mention the road tile.
0: Oh, that's right. Look at that. Yeah, so so there are... Um, should we go into really excruciating detail about the way these things interact, or is it...
1: Uh, no, I think we should just say, what do the road tiles do exactly, and then what do the sidewalks do generally? So, for example, if you want to live in a town where you're stuck at your house and can't go anywhere, <sighs> then you shouldn't build any roads. However... If you want to get extra points and have your properties actually be usable by people who don't want to, for example, trek over a mountain to get to your luxury condos, you can build roads that connect to the main highway. And then every tile that touches one of those roads, you get five points at the end. Yeah. And then with the sidewalks, uh, you get sidewalks from activating commercial tiles, which makes sense. You know, you have stores, you have a strip mall or whatever it is, you need sidewalks for people to walk there.
0: They petition your town government to put those sidewalks in. And damn it, that government will attend to their needs. Absolutely.
1: Because big business rules everything. Exactly. And so depending on the number of unique tiles that your uh, sidewalks are touching, you also get points at the end of the game. And no, we should not go into excruciating detail about that.
0: Yeah, they, they score in an interesting way. You have to multiply the number of... Main zones by the number of upgrade zones, and that's your score for those. You also score when you place parks based on how many tiles they're adjacent to. You earn money from placing lakes based on how many tiles they're adjacent to. And from building three tiers on a school, which is just every time you activate that same adjacent um, residence over and over. Um, those are like the main ways to score. It's pretty yeah. much everything, right?
1: That's pretty much everything. And the only thing you can do with your money is buy your way out of placing it on the uh, color symbol that corresponds with the die. Otherwise, right. money is pretty much useless. Although you well, get one point for every two points at the end. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, so it's decently quick. Um,
1: Not the first time. Yeah. <laughs> but once you. Well, it depends. It
0: depends quick. on on who you're playing with, really. If they're grasping right. how it's going then it's going to be no problem. You're going to draft, 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 and be done. Um, if, if they're not really grasping the way that tiles activate when a new tile is placed next to them, and they keep thinking that they activate right when you put them down, they're going to be asking questions every time you
1: play them. Yeah. I was saying... And that might be
0: you. You might not <laughs> understand. Who knows?
1: That's true. And if yeah. that's so, no judgments. Um, None from her. Absolutely <laughs> not. But anyway... Um, I was saying to you last night that I think this game is, it seems like it's simpler than Suburbia, and in many ways it is, um, in terms of placement of tiles. However, it, the rules are much more complicated, so if you are a person who likes Suburbia, and I assume you would be if you're considering Subdivision, I would play that first, with whoever you're hoping to play subdivision with, obviously not required, but I think it does facilitate learning uh, a bit more.
0: I agree with that to mm-hmm. an extent. Ouch. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, so what's let's go straight into our final thoughts and uh, and score it. I guess. Sure. I think this game's been around long enough that it's worthy of a review. Right. All right. Let's that give it a review good. score. Subdivision. From Bézier Games, Lucas Hedren. Hedren. <laughs> Sorry, Lucas.
1: Oh, Hedren.
0: Lukey H. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think?
1: I will give it a solid three. A solid I, three? A solid three, which is better than a soft three. Um, I think I like this game better than you. I think it's closer to a four than a three, obviously, since I gave it a solid three. Um, I like it. I like that the way the tiles, uh, you know, the tiles look a lot like Suburbia, which is my favorite game of all time. <laughs> um, you have more types of tiles than in Suburbia, at least the base game. And, you know, I like being able to manipulate the tiles and strategize in advance. It's the thing that makes, and I like that the hardest part about that is just the dye. So you can have a plan and then you might not get the color that you want and you don't have any money and you can't build your strategy and now you have to revamp the whole thing i like that aspect of it i do agree that it is or well i agree with what you've said previously before this podcast slash video cast that um it is complicated to keep track of all the rules and the way they interact so on the flip side when you're strategizing it's really hard to keep track um especially because you're drafting and you don't know what tiles you will have in advance
0: I'll give the standard three <laughs> just a just a regular old three um I think it's a it's a good game, but you know it's not one that I would rush out to have in my collection uh I think any day of the week any moment of any of those days of the week, <laughs> I would always play suburbia first um I think there's more to suburbia uh, I think. It's a better game, easier to play, despite it having more complex interactions that are more interesting as well. Um, it doesn't get old as fast, because in this, you have, you have all these tiles, and you know you have five main tiles, and every turn, it's like, oh, it's one of these five tiles again. Um, I guess I'm just going you know, to place them.
1: Not the case in Suburbia, where you have a market, and the market is repetitive as well.
0: Right, but there are are many more different tiles. They have specific and unique interactions between tiles based on what's placed around them.
1: Right, but what I'm saying is you can have a repetitive market, which is the same as having... No,
0: that's true, but but I think here there there is definitely less variety in this game than Suburbia. Sure.
1: I'm not going to reasonably <laughs> argue because I don't want to take up unnecessary time. Okay. But I will concede that point.
0: Okay. So, yeah. A standard three from me <laughs> for for Subdivision.
1: I. Think so that we agree. Well, no. Because totally. I would sometimes prefer to play this over Suburbia, so. Oh. I just like it better than you. Okay. Although we give it the same grade. It's funny. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on.
0: Um, yeah, My so-
1: favorite new game.
0: Now we're going to be taking a look at a new old game, another oldish game. I'm not sure when this came out, um, but it was a Kickstarter, a re release of an older game called Lost Valley. It's now called Lost Valley The Yukon Gold Rush 1896, and it's from Pandasaurus Games. Designed by brothers? Ooh, Roland, like Johannes, and Tobias Gosler. That's a talented trio. Yeah, I like this. We've only played this one once, so we can't really give you a full review. But, you know, it's something that, you know, we played and figures we're talking about. Initial impressions
1: are worth knowing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, First play, we were excited. The game's solid. She won again.
1: Uh, Unprecedented.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, two in a row. That's
1: unprecedented.
0: (laughs) But um, I thought it was really fun. It was, like, a lot of exploration and it's sort of a sandbox game. You just kind of are given the tools to do what you will out in the Yukon Valley, exploring, trying to find the most gold, hunt the most animals, go fishing, build mines.
1: Get skills.
0: Get skills. It's... Go treasure hunting. True. Build canoes.
1: Did you say mines?
0: Ride canoes.
1: Yeah, ride mines. horses.
0: Ride horses. Buy
1: dynamite.
0: Use dynamite. <laughs>
1: Sure. Yes, all but, of these things. Yeah,
0: all these things. You have all these at your disposal and you just kind of like go out there and figure out how to do it. And there's sort of like a, I don't want to say a tech tree, but there's like a, a a hierarchy of things that you'll need to do other things. Like you're going to want to get food first to be able to do mining actions. You're going to want wood first to be able to build various works. And then you use those things to then improve your ability to do any of the other actions it's really really nice game it feels like a little bit of a of like a sandbox kind of rpg video game in a way like a survival game almost like uh don't starve or or something like that
1: sure (laughs) yeah sure I don't play video games, so I don't really know what he's talking about. But I will agree that this is a great game. One thing that I really like about this game is the limitations are not incredibly frustrating. There are a lot of games, at least where I feel like, and maybe you can think of an example maybe the agricola that I did I hate it for that reason
0: for what for limitations
1: yeah so for example if i needed yes. wood and yeah. i couldn't get wood i couldn't really do anything or if i needed x y or z it really ruined the game because my whole strategy had to revolve around getting that one thing this i think is really well balanced it's not as though you're actually trying to survive in the wild it feels fictionalized and so it feels more fun uh, so
0: yeah, it's definitely easier to hunt a bear in Lost Valley than it is in real life.
1: Right. And I think <laughs> the purpose of this game is more to facilitate exploration and to facilitate, yeah, you know, fun. that sort of imagination stuff. And so I like that it's it's not limited in that way.
0: Yeah, me too. So the main mechanic of the game, which we decided not to tell you guys, is tile laying. Uh, when you're basically, there's no board... You have a starting tile at the beginning of this river, and as you get to the vertex of each lane tile, you will then have to explore everything around it by laying more tiles down. That's pretty cool. Look, tiles. And they're diamond-shaped and triangle-shaped. Correct. So you can create some funky-looking board layouts. And that's a really cool thing. The fact that you are laying tiles, Uh, Just like in any tile laying game in Carcassonne, you know, in in any of those kinds of games, Mm -hmm. it's going to look different every time. Isle of any anything where you're laying tiles, it gives it a a dynamism. Is that a word?
1: That is definitely a word.
0: Is that used correctly? Yes. Well, that then, um, Mm -hmm. that you don't get in a more static board game. And I like that. I mean, I'm always going to like tile laying games. It's sort of like a, a little bit of a bias there.
1: I do like tile laying games. I just like that there's a sense of abundance in this game.
0: However, if you're playing with a greater number of players, it's going to get pretty cutthroat. Because even between us, I built a couple of uh, flumes because you have to get water from the river to go panning for gold in the plains. So I built a couple of flumes. And she rode up on her horse immediately the next turn and took two of... The three gold that I was trying to get with her huge gold panning sieve. Mm-hmm. And that was lame.
1: Well, I would like to say two things. One, you did get one gold.
0: And, and I should have known. Exactly. That's <laughs> like, exactly what it, I, was gonna I knew say. you was, had the horse. It was
1: incredibly transparent that yeah. that would have been very easy for me to do.
0: Yeah, it was a bad move. It's okay. But that's cool. Like The thing is, you can do things like that. And you can end up having stories like that. Like, oh, she, she rolled in and took my stuff. that's great and yeah this is another it's a unique game there's i haven't played another game that feels like this one yeah
1: oh that's really i didn't think about that but that's totally true
0: it's it it kind of has a little bit of a video game feel like i said kind of like what i said with dead of winter it has a little bit more of a video game feel which is great and i think people coming from video games will like this a lot too specifically so if i was to rate this should we not I don't know. We only played it one time. We, well, so take we this did, with a grain of we salt. We
1: rate on our initial impressions.
0: Okay, initial impression. A four. Same. That's great. Four the only great. reason
1: that I gave it a four as an initial impression, again, is because I could see it, at least with two players, getting a little bit repetitive. Mm. But I think playing with a lot more people, and obviously this is just me hypothesizing, I think playing with more people would resolve that problem. Yeah.
0: We're going we're gonna to get this played with up to five you can play with, so hopefully four or five. I think the more players, the better with this one. Just, yeah. just from the, the mechanics and the way things interact, it seems like the more people you get vying for the resources, the more difficult and, and cutthroat it's going to get, and I guess the more exciting and the more angry you're going to be with your friends, which is cool sometimes in this kind of game. It's very thematic, a lot of fun. So, yeah, Lost Valley, the Yukon Gold Rush, Panasaurus Games by the uh, Gosler Brothers. Definitely good. I, it's, worth, it's worth checking out for sure.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So the, the last thing that I want to talk about is a game that I've played three times now. Um, I have a very early handmade copy sent to me by the game's designer, Mark Swanson from Oddbird Games. This is a game that is currently on Kickstarter, has already raised about four or five times its goal, and is going to be published. And it's a pretty heavy, sort of economic-based, I- I'm calling it a 5i game, and I'll tell you what that is in a second, but the game's called Feudum. Um, really cool-looking, like, whimsical art, really nice, really attractive, calls you to play it. And then it it's really a heavy game. There's a lot of rules, but um I've noticed so far that there is such a great depth to this game that that I just can see myself playing it dozens and dozens of times and trying different strategies every time I play it. So I said it was a 5i game. I'm kind of like trying to coin a new term here. I think that would be cool. But I thought that this game was so unique. It, I see so many different mechanics that have come from other games, perhaps. But the sum total of all these things is a wholly unique experience. So I say 5i because it's invest, improve, influence, incorporate, and intimidate. Because um, like, like 4X games, you have expansion on a map. The board is a map divided into five sections, territories, and each one has a number of locations. They're towns or farms or outposts, and they're all randomly seated at the beginning of the game. And you have a few pawns, which are six-sided dice, but each side represents a different character, that has a different special ability in the advanced game, which is really the best way to play, and you choose which of those six sides that pawn is going to be, and you have up to three of those on the board at a time, move from location to location, take various actions based on a hand of cards that you select at the beginning of a round. You have a total of 11 actions that are available, and you choose four of them before anyone takes a turn, Then you begin the round and play out your four actions on this map and the chips will fall where they may. There's also six guilds at the edges of the board that each play a special part in a cyclical economy where goods and various items are passing from the farmer to the merchant to the alchemist to the knight to the noble. To the monk and back again to the farmer based on actions that players take once they have earned enough status within each of those individual guilds to be worthy of taking those particular actions to move these goods and spur on this economy. So essentially you have two separate games going on at once and they complement each other Um, It is a unified experience, but sometimes it feels like if you're focusing on one, then the other one becomes sort of a, a secondary side note. So I've seen a game where everyone was focusing on area control because one of the actions you can take is to apply influence to a town and become the ruler of that area, able to to take benefits later on by playing actions that require you to rule certain types and People are fighting over all these zones in And that would be one game that I played whereas in another one people were entirely focused on having guild membership and Pushing goods from one to the other to translate that into veneration points, which are essentially victory points um, there are hidden contracts in the game. There's combat. One of the actions is go to someone's town, where the, to their feudum, which would be the highest level location that helps you gain influence in one of the guilds, and attack that town. Or you can attack players' pawns. There's a defend card to help you defend that. There's improvement, so you improve a, a outpost to a farm, to a town, to a feudum. There's influence, which lets you become the leader of one of those locations. There's moving simply from town to town across either roads or ferry boats or using boats or airships or submersible ships. Um, You can take individual actions based on the types of locations, i.e. you can tax a town, you can harvest at a farm, you can... Explore at an outpost and gain some more of those contract cards like I I was mentioning a moment ago Um, and Then there's a card lets you repeat an action that you already took on that turn there are ways that you can use some of your Raw resources to give yourself a double action on a turn or a fifth card in a round Um, It's all kinds of crazy stuff and obviously you can you can interact with those guilds and it's a lot of rules and it's really kind of heavy to learn, but once you get it played, it, it really all sinks in and you start seeing all these complex interactions and the ways that you can use maybe the noble to kick people out of the locations that you want to take over or or the knight to be able to, to fight a lot better than any of the other character pawns. Um, the monk moves a lot faster the merchant can pay his way into leadership at a town the alchemist can migrate new pawns out onto the board without having any influence in that location and the farmer you didn't play this game
1: i'm literally just sitting here smiling and nodding i haven't (laughs) played this game
0: (laughs) or the farmer can let you get a sneak peek at the goods that you're producing at a farm and choose the ones that you want. So I'm I'm kind of like hitting each little thing on the surface level, but it's really a deep game and a lot of fun. And you know what? The first time I played, I didn't really like it that much because I felt like nobody really got it or got into it. Um, but the second time, You know, I I saw that there was something there and I was like, I got to play this again. And I thought about it uh, the whole time. I wasn't playing it from the first time to the second time. I was thinking about, oh, I got to play this game again. I got to play this game again. the second time I played it with some some other new players who grasped the economy of it a lot better but but didn't play out the the board as much. And I saw all the ways that, that everything could work out and then, really, uh, now I just really keep wanting to play it.
1: Now I want to play
0: it. And she wants to play it.
1: The one thing that I can say is the promotional video is very well done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's on Kickstarter now. Uh, I think $60 gets you in the game, gets you the uh, the no base pun pledge. Intended. No, pun definitely intended. I was being sarcastic. Pun definitely <laughs> intended. Um,. Yeah, so sixty dollars to get you in, and uh, it's a great, it's a great uh, campaign page. He's got these wonderful videos, a lot of stretch goals that are available. There are already three planned expansions. Um, it just looks really good. I I would recommend you go take a look at it. It might be above your weight level because it was almost above my game playing weight level, but but uh, if you're into sort of medium heavy to heavier euros, I would jump on Feudum, definitely. Definitely go. Um, I expect to have a full review later, and uh, and I expect that it's gonna be up there somewhere. It's a spoiler, spoiler alert.
1: You're supposed to say that at the beginning,
0: not at yeah. the end. Yeah, so that's Feudum. Um, by Mark Swanson, I believe it's his first game, and that's mm-hmm. cool. That's Odd Bird Games. I would check that one out. So that's, that's about everything.
1: Yeah.
0: I wish you had gotten a play Feudum, so you could have more to say, but from what you've seen in pictures and videos, what's the impression that you get? Is it excited?
1: Well... I am excited based on the promotional video. My first thoughts came from you texting me and saying, I've been playing this game for three hours. I don't know if I like it. So, but you're. That, was with, that was with
0: teaching the first game. Right. We learned it straight out of the rule book, which is actually very thorough and I would say solid as a F. three. <laughs> so.
1: um, what was I going to say? Oh, but then watching your opinion evolve. Uh, is indicative of how good a game it is because you tend to have very strong feelings about mm, games.
0: True. Strong. So that's Feudum. Check it out. Um, that's And that's our podcast, really. That's our video cast. Our first video GamerNode show, which, if you're a savvy viewer slash listener, you'll realize now that this is why we changed the name to GamerNode Show. <laughs> Thinking ahead. Um, so uh, if, if you're watching the video, please do give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel. Um, and do that if you're listening, too, for sure. Go over to GamerNode on YouTube and do all those things. Um, you'll be the first to see all our new videos. We have a lot more reviews coming out nowadays than uh, in the past on our video channel. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Gamernode. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Everything's got its own verb nowadays. (laughs) Geez. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Gamernode. And of course, keep going to the website, gamernode.com. That's episode 70 of the Gamernode Show. I'm Eddie Inzotto.
1: I'm Bianca Figueroa Santana.
0: Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.